And from that moment, I knew that an OT career for me was going to be in pediatrics. And it was crazy to me and, and crazy to everyone that knew me that I so quickly had changed. G'day guys and welcome to Holly the OT podcast. My name is Holly and I am an occupational therapist looking to create a judgment-free zone for all OT students, new grads and early year therapists. Join me as I give my honest opinions on the highs and the lows and the ins and the outs of being an OT. Before I start this episode, I would like to acknowledge the Awabakal people who are the traditional custodians of the land that this episode was recorded. Hey guys, welcome back to Holly the OT. What a few weeks it's been since I launched the podcast and put out my pilot episode and I had all these plans to go bang, bang, bang and I was so excited, you know, had the momentum and then my microphone, my brand new microphone died and my laptop died and then I moved house and I was like, wow, I really timed this perfectly. (laughs) Anyway, not to worry, I am back, I am ready to record, I have so many content ideas, I've got a brand new microphone, my laptop has revived itself so we'll see how that goes but I'm going to buy a new laptop anyway. So never fear, Hall of the OT is back on track. (laughs) Today's episode is all about my journey to becoming an OT, how I sort of came about OT, what uni was like for me and the work that I'm doing at the moment and then I guess a bit of where I see my OT career going across maybe the next five, ten years. So we'll sort of delve into that a little bit. But yeah, all about sort of my OT journey. And I know when I listen to a podcast, get to know the person that's presenting, you sort of get into it a little more. And I also absolutely love hearing about people's journeys to becoming OTs and even any allied health for that matter, like speeches and physios. And I just love when you're on placements or when you have a new team member join and you you ask them like, oh, why, why this career? And 98% of the time, actually, you know, I'm yet to hear someone whose answer doesn't involve this, but it's always to do with helping people. And that's the crux of, of everyone's motivation behind this career. And then, you know, there's some other motivating factor behind it or another part of the story. But the bottom line is people get into this career because they want to help people. And I just love hearing about that. And I just think it's so cool to be surrounded every day and work so closely with such awesome people who just want to help. Like, oh, these are just so cool, don't you think? <laughs> And that's going to be the first question I'm going to ask people when I interview them on the podcast, like what got you into this? What's what's your story? How did you get here? And I thought, you know what? We should start with me. <laughs> I promise they won't all, all be like this. It won't all be about me. But yeah, I think it's important to sort of share my journey and we'll sort of give a bit of more insight into why I created this podcast and why I want to support students and new grads on their OT journey. So becoming an OT for me, I always throughout high school 
I always wanted to be involved in exercise science. So sort of from like year 10 onwards, I have always been really sporty and always been around like physios and physio was the original goal. But (laughs) as soon as I saw the ATAR, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not getting that. So I sort of just pushed that to the back. And in year 10 on my work placement, I went to an osteopath clinic and they had an exercise physiologist there and I was involved in, I think it was cardio rehab exercise programs for elderly. Yeah, I've always wanted to work in aged care. I have the four most incredible grandparents, three of them no longer with us, but I think my love of my grandparents just made me wanted to work, you know, with the elderly. And when I saw that I could combine exercise and aged care, I was like, wow, this is me. Wicked. Let's go for it. So that was the plan. I got accepted for an early offer into University of Wollongong for exercise science and that was it. And then two weeks before my HSC, this is a this is a funny story. Two weeks before my HSC, I jumped off a waterfall and I broke my spine in two places. And then there was like some compression fractures and it was a whole shebang. Great timing. I really, <laughs> really timed that well. So I was in hospital for a little while and right when I was ready to get discharged and everything was going to plan, I couldn't leave until I'd been seen by an OT and That was my first experience of knowing about OT. At the time, I remember being like, annoyed's not the right word, but I was like, you know, it wasn't really explained to me what I was waiting for. And it was a Friday. And then obviously the OT wasn't going to be back to the Monday. On the Monday, an OT came to see me and explained, you know, what their role was. And essentially they helped me get home. There was all these things I was going to have trouble with at home that I didn't really think about, which is like obviously textbook OT now. I know what bread and butter, but look, they helped me out with showering and, and how I was going to set up for my exams. Obviously my HSC exams were a week away at that point and I had to still do them. The OT really helped me out and really gave me a lot of ideas and, and really made life easy for me over the next few weeks. So that was my first experience of OT. I still hadn't really thought about much of changing the profession, like changing what I was going to do, but I was like, that was my, you know, initial reaction. So I was still, you know, went through my HSC and got it done, did all right, but wasn't really too worried because I had the early entry. Then I was away with my family. My family are full of teachers and I sort of had this like, not resentment, like my family are wonderful, but I'm talking like my parents, my uncles and aunties, my siblings, my cousins, there's everyone sort of involved in education in some way. And I sort of had this bit of a like a resentment to doing that. And I was away with my family and they were like, oh, you, are you sure you want to do exercise science? Like what jobs can you get? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, you know, whatever. And I definitely wasn't, you know, at that age, you're really not thinking about job opportunities and I'm sure exercise science the job prospects are a lot higher now but they definitely weren't at that time and OT there was definitely more job opportunities and I guess it wasn't something you consider at that age I mean you should but you don't and then I think it was my I'm pretty sure it was my auntie she was like what about OT and in my mind I was like oh OT that's you know help me in hospital I remember them And she was like, oh, the OTs can come into schools and work with kids. And I was like, no, I don't want to work with kids. I want to work with adults. And I was like, no, you just want me to do that, you know, to be a teacher. I thought that was their their ploy, their, you know, their hidden meaning. But no, then my brother was there and he was like, oh, wow, what a great idea. And I was like, nah, I don't want to work with kids. And I didn't really like hospitals. And yeah, anyway, 
And I sort of did a bit of a Google search. And I was like, oh, maybe I should know more about OT. Like I only knew it from an acute setting, from what I, my experience was. So I did a Google. I think WebMD, that was what came up. And I saw all the like the areas that OT could work in. There was a lot of stuff about aged care and occupational engagement and, and all that stuff. And I thought, wow, this is sort of speaking my language like I I it was the first time I delved into it a little more and went further than the acute scope and yeah I was like wow wicked and I rang my mum she wasn't away with it at the time and I was like mum like they won't leave me alone blah blah, blah. <laughs> and she was like oh, you should do it and I was like oh should I great so then it was as simple as that I opened up my uni enrollments page and I had the ATAR and I had an extra five points because I was local to University of Western Sydney. So I, I got the ATAR to get in and I think I made it with an hour and a half, I'm pretty sure from memory. I think the thing's closed at 12. Anyway, so literally made enrollments by an hour and a half. I know you can enroll later, but obviously it would have been harder. And then, yeah, that was it. Uni started three weeks later and I sat next to a girl on my first day of orientation and her name is Annika. Annika, I hope you're listening. I think you will be. Um, she's one of my best friends still to this day. And yeah, we sat next to each other on the first day of orientation for OT. And they, you know, turned, they, were, they did one of the exercises, turned to the person next to you and, and tell them why you wanted to be an OT. And Annika turned to me and she had this beautiful answer. I remember it. And she was like, oh, what about you? And I was like, oh, I don't really know. <laughs> my family sort of encouraged me to be here and I don't really know all that much about it. You know, I had this experience in the OT in the hospital and <laughs> I remember her, her looking at me like, wow, that is so unprepared and so crazy. But yeah, anyway, stuck with it and very appreciative of that friendship I made with Annika on that day. She supported me through lots of highs and lows of uni and yeah, she was wonderful. As far as uni goes for me, I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy it. I definitely didn't complete it conventionally. Like my, obviously the degree is a four-year degree. It took me six years to do my degree, not really by choice, but sort of by choice. But, you know, we can delve into that later. But yeah, it took me six years. That was a combination of COVID and combination of personal things that were happening. And I also failed neuroanatomy, which was wonderful. (laughs) If you know, you know, but neuroanatomy is an absolute pain in my backside. But yeah, didn't apply myself and just failed and then had to do it again and gave it a red hot crack and, and did what I needed to do. But then obviously when you fail, it adds time on and I could have done summer school, but I was going to Africa and didn't want to forego my holiday, which I do not regret at all. I, there was times like when all my friends started graduating and I thought, oh, if I just did summer school, I could, you know, I would have made it when everyone else graduated. I thought, oh, I should have just not gone on my holiday. And then, no, looking back, I'm so glad I prioritized my travel, which is something I really, really value, rather than just sort of putting everything on hold for uni. Ideally, I should have just not failed neuro in the first place and could have avoided the whole situation altogether if I was a bit more diligent with my studies. But I didn't, and it is what it is, and you couldn't change it. And I still got a great holiday and got my degree, which is something I really want to emphasize and I will do and a whole episode dedicated to this later, but if things don't go to plan at uni, in life even, but especially at uni, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to just do it and, and get it done. If it doesn't happen that way, that is 
so fine. Like I, at the time I thought it was the worst thing in the world. I remember being so nervous to tell my parents who ended up not caring, but I remember being so nervous, the fact that I'd failed something and failed a unit at uni. And I just, it was, you know, in my mind, I had catastrophized it to be the worst thing in my life that could happen at that point in time. And looking back, it is such a blimp on my radar and I don't even think about it until right now when I'm doing this episode. So yeah, just a side note, it is so fine if that happens and please don't put pressure on yourself. You will get it done. You will graduate. You know, your time will come. So yeah, back to my uni journey. So as I mentioned right at the start, never wanted to work with kids. I think because I was, you know, against it, not wanting to be a teacher, sort of wanting to be different to my family. Like, I'm not trying to make myself to be some real unique girl, but no, like I just didn't want to work with kids. And my, on one of the first lectures when they, everyone was sort of getting to know each other and it was all right, raise your hands if you want to work in pediatrics. And I remember probably 80% of the lecture hall put their hands up and the few girls I'd come really good friends with at that time there was about four of us sitting up at the back and all three of them wanted to work in pediatrics and I was like no thank you not for me kids are annoying la di da di da anyway a week later we got our placements for our first placement and lo and behold I got pediatrics and I wouldn't I wasn't dreading going like obviously I was grateful for any opportunity and I was excited to learn I wasn't dreading going. I think it was just the irony that out of all my friends, everyone that openly expressed wanting to work in pediatrics, none of them got a pediatric placement. And the only person that didn't want to work in pediatrics, myself, got a pediatric placement. So that was two weeks down in Wagga Wagga at an early intervention non-for-profit. It was a rural placement. I nominated for that right off the bat. I was really interested in rural health and I did that two-week observation and I absolutely loved every second of it, much to my surprise. And from that moment, I knew that an OT career for me was going to be in pediatrics. And it was crazy to me and, and crazy to everyone that knew me that I so quickly had changed because I was like, I was so against it. My um, job in uni, I was a party host at a bowling alley. And you see all sides of kids when you see kids at a party, hyped up on sugar. And I just, yeah, like I said, kids annoyed me. And now I just couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. So when I got back from that placement, I got a job with my auntie at her school. The irony just continues as a SLSO in a support unit. So working with children on the spectrum and children with behavior difficulties and trauma and just sort of navigating that the day-to-day school life with them, really helping with like the practical stuff like toileting and, and friendships and meltdowns. And I thank that job every day for the behavior management skills I have acquired and how I manage the clients that I work with in my pediatric position. And I, yeah, I'm so grateful for that practical experience that I got. And I recommend that everyone goes and get some sort of practical job. You just, the, the experience it gives you and the confidence it gives you is, is you just don't get taught it at uni. And on that note as well, I, in my second year after my second placement, I got a job as an allied health assistant. And this was life life changing that's traumatic yeah no life changing because 
yeah, as an allied health assistant, it was in a pediatric clinic. I sent them an email and I said, hey, I want to I want to get experience. Like I offered volunteering. I think it started at like four hours a week and I was just making resources. And then by the time I left there in 2020, when COVID first started, I had a clientele like case list of my own and I was doing my own therapy and I was pretty independent, which as a student is pretty crazy. So at that point I had gone part-time at uni as I'd moved down the coast and COVID had started and everything was really unknown and I had to leave that job because of COVID and just um, constraints from the business and got a position a little bit further down the coast at another allied health clinic, which was wonderful. I was there for a few months and then actually moved away up to Newcastle. So about six hours north and got a position as an allied health assistant at the place that I'm at now um, working as an OT. So it was half allied health, half admin. And it was incredible. I absolutely loved this position. I loved all my positions and, and all three positions taught me an immense amount of practical knowledge. I had a few other jobs in between just sort of get me through uni. I worked at a preschool at one stage which again taught me incredible, incredible practical skills. But the work as an allied health assistant really set me up for a career as an OT. And whether it's, you know, support work or or SLSO work, or if you can get allied health assistant work, absolutely do it because it just, it taught me so much. It calmed my anxiety going into any placements. And then as a new grad, I feel so prepared and I felt like I really had an upper hand and yeah, a lot of the things that you would be navigating as a new grad, if you didn't have that practical experience, I sort of didn't go through, I guess. I don't know if that sounds obnoxious or I just, yeah, I'm really, really grateful for my experience and as an allied health assistant. The position I'm in now is primarily pediatrics. It is NGIS community-based in a lovely town about 30 minutes north of Newcastle. I absolutely love it. Like I said, I started doing admin work when I first joined and a little bit of other health assistant work, but I actually really, really valued the admin work that I got to do. It not only taught me heaps of backend stuff about like NDIS and payments and funding and coordinators and all that jazz, but the anxiety I used to have making phone calls, crikey, I used to dread it. And obviously if you're in an admin position, you make phone calls. That is what you do. You answer the phone and you call people. Sometimes conflict resolution, but you never know. Like you've just got to answer the phone. And now I'm not phased by a phone call, which is such a little win. But for me, it probably would have really impacted me being a therapist. So to get over that was unreal. So yeah, now I don't care. Call me on the phone. You want to call me? I'll answer because I did admin. Um, but I also did allied health assistant work and then like I had a few clients, not too many, but and then when I was fully graduated at the end of last year after doing a work from home placement, pandemic students, you will understand, bit unconventional, but I was just happy to be doing a placement and started straight away as a new grad and went straight into a pediatric caseload and yeah, loving it. The company I am at, they do a lot of rural work. So we have contracts for an aged care facility out in Canamble, which is about five hours inland. And then they've just opened a clinic 
in Lightning Ridge, which if you haven't heard of Lightning Ridge, it is a town in the absolute middle of nowhere. It's an opal mining town in the outback. And at this stage, I do one week of outback of rural work a month and three weeks in just at the normal clinic. But I'm actually decided I just loved it so much and I love rural care, healthcare that I've decided to move out there full time. So as of when am I recording this? As of a week and a half, I will be on a little bit of leave and then I will be living in the outback and being a full time rural OT, which is so cool. It's something I've always been interested in and I just absolutely love it. It is crazy the amount of appreciation you get and the value that you can bring to these remote communities they are so appreciative of your time and appreciative of what you can offer which not to say you don't get that in more metropolitan areas it's just not as common I guess or you know people know they can go elsewhere if they're not happy and rightly so they should be able to but when you're the only person providing that service in a town for a couple hundred kilometers you are appreciated and you know that you will make a difference because if it wasn't for you no one would be doing it and these kids wouldn't be getting a service and it's just yeah really special to know that you are so appreciated and valued it sort of fills the therapist cup a little bit more about filling the cup and and feeling valued and you definitely feel valued out there I also recently completed my reformer pilates instructors training which is crazy another just random thing I decided to do the clinic I work for we have physios and there's quite an exercise focus and an opportunity came up to do the training and for OTs it doesn't actually take that long given our anatomy background so yeah I just thought why not and I am now fully qualified so yeah when I'm out in the outback I'm going to be doing reformer pilates classes as well which is just such a nice little fusion brings back in my love for exercise which I was originally why I was doing exercise science like I just have that love for exercise and I bloody love pilates it's good fun I also mentioned before that I do go to an aged care home and do a little bit of functional retraining pain management bit of massage and yeah it's so broad so varied and that's sort of the beauty of rural health is you don't do the same thing every day and yeah it's great I love it (laughs) I guess the final point of this episode is wrapping up where I sort of see my OT career going and what I have planned and yeah so I've always had a desire to own my own practice one day It's not something I want to rush. It's not something I want to know I've got the clinical sort of backing to do it. But I've always had that sort of, ever since I got into uni, that desire to, yeah, have my own practice one day. And I thought, I think the only thing holding me back at the moment is I don't don't know where I want to set myself up. And you can't really just open a practice and then move. (laughs) <laughs> which which I enjoy doing at the moment. I enjoy moving around a little bit. I also am working for a wonderful company and want to sort of soak up as much of of the experience and learning and and background knowledge that I can get while working for this company. I'm really, really close with my boss and and yeah, so it won't be anytime soon, but it's definitely what how I see my career going one day. I think it will definitely be in the NDIS scope, probably primarily pediatrics. I also really 
want to you know have students of my own one day and I think without tooting my own horn I think I'd I'd be a pretty good supervisor you know if anyone was coming on a clinical placement we've recently hired uh, allied health assistants at my workplace and I just love teaching and and sharing my knowledge and you sort of don't realize how much you know until you have to teach it to someone else so I really enjoy that side of things and I think I'd love to get into supervision stuff one day and my supervision is all online so I know that it can be done remotely and still provide a great supervision service. So yeah, one day I would love to get into that and I believe in the power of, uh, I guess manifestation is the word, but you know, putting it out there into the universe. And if I say it out loud, I'm going to have to do it. So that's where I sort of see myself. I am really, really lucky that with the rural health, we are quite well supported in completing professional development. So I've got a few really exciting courses coming up soon. I'm going to do the SOS training and there's a few sensory processing trainings I'm going to do, which are all funded really through the um, Rural Doctors Network, which is incredible. And I feel so lucky for that. So yeah, a lot of training this year and just building up my clinical knowledge as best as I can. And as far as this podcast goes, who knows? I guess I'm just going to give it a red hot crack and sort of do like a first season and see if it picks up any momentum. And I think if I really put some energy into it, I I can create something really cool. And yeah, I'll just see how it goes. But that is it from me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I feel a bit obnoxious isn't the word, but I, you know, no one ever really loves talking about themselves. So I hope I haven't absolutely bored you to death. I just wanted to give a little bit of background into me and obviously you guys will get to know me over future episodes, but that is, is the crux of how I got to where I am. And yeah, the next episode I am doing, I'm going to film this film (laughs) record this week as well. And it is going to be all about the things I wish I knew at uni and I wish I had someone tell me. So if you have any ideas or anything you want me to add in or anything you, you wish you knew at uni that you'd love to share, send me a DM on Instagram holly underscore the underscore ot as always guys if you like what you hear give me a follow subscribe to the pod and share the live thanks so much <laughs>